We're going to jump right in this morning. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Last week we began a move series. Some of you have participated in that with us before in the last few years. Uh, we jumped into that strong last week and we began with two statements. And I want to cover both of those this morning in case you weren't here. We began with the first statement was this, I can I commit to move away from the lie that I and some of those were cannot statements. Some of those are things that people just said, man, I, I, I commit to move away from. Here's a few that were sent to me that I asked if I could share with you this morning. I commit to move away from the lie that I cannot pursue a direction in life because I am not like. And they didn't tell me the person's name, but they said because of, of another person. Meaning, I, I can't be all that God's called me to be because I want to be somebody else. And they said, I will not follow that lie anymore. I commit to move away from the lie. This is a huge one. I commit to move, of, uh, move away from the lie that I will never win the war against lust and pornography. It's a pretty big one. I commit to move away from the lie that I am valued based on what I have or don't have. I commit to move away from the lie that I'll, that I'll move away from the lie that, of what I have or don't have, and that's my value. Then I love this one. A gentleman in the, short, in, a, in the church, as we talked about what the truth is, we said, I want to commit to move toward the truth that God's word promises. And what does God's word promise? And so last week, just to kind of make sure you're aware of this, we handed out some journals, um, just move journals inside of those was, uh, were some scriptures for the next coming week. And that was last week's scriptures uh, in the worship guide this morning are this week's scriptures. Uh, we'll post those on social media and get those out to you in multiple different ways for this week but the way it works is if you read the scriptures that we're giving you for this upcoming week you'll be more prepared for our time of teaching next Sunday all right so you're getting a, a little bit of a, a taste of where we're going with scripture in the weeks to come so those are available in the lobby with with the complete list of scriptures but we had the I commit to move away from the lies that I and then we had the other statement I commit to move toward the truth that God's word promises and this one friend of mine sent this. He said, I commit to move toward the truth that God loves me and God likes me. That God loves me and he likes me. And he quoted Proverbs 3.12, For the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father and son and whom he delights. And he went on to say, delights means to prefer, to be interested in, to be filled with wonder. This gentleman said, I prefer to move towards the truth that God loves me and he likes me. He delights in me. That's a significant truth, is it not? And so I'm asking you to, to consider and to prayerfully just ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and say, what lie am I buying into that I need to move away from? And where is it in Scripture? May I find the truth of God's Word that will reinforce, that will grow me during this series. Now, this morning we're going to cover two things, but I want you to see three things because it's going to continue into next week. So I want you to repeat these couple phrases with me. They're going to be on the screen this morning. I'll say the first one, you say it, and then we'll go back and forth, all right? It says, we cannot minimalize the battle. Go ahead. We cannot underestimate the enemy. And we cannot overlook the victory. Now let's say it this time as if we awake all right it's beautiful outside right fresh clean cold it's great all right we cannot minimalize the battle, cannot minimalize the battle. 
We cannot underestimate the enemy. We cannot overlook the victory. We're going to look at the first two this morning. We're going to look at the third one over the third and the fourth week of this series. But what I want us to do this morning is realize and to own up that many times we minimalize the battle that we are in. Now, one of the, when I was a kid, one of the things that I remember from cartoons, and I don't know if kids watch cartoons now, right? my kids don't watch cartoons, right? You, I mean, and when I was growing up, all the cartoons, at some point the character in the cartoon had a decision to make, and on their shoulder would be a little devil and a little angel, right? Now, a couple problems with that. One, the devil was always red and always had a pitchfork, all right? If we keep the devil looking like that, of course we'll stay away from him, right? Uh, And then on the other shoulder was this quaint little angel that always had a smile, and they would have a discussion back and forth on which one was going to win for the day, all right? And, and, oh, this is cute. If we leave the spiritual battle that's waging around us on our shoulders like a quaint cartoon, then the enemy is going to win. If that's where we settle it, if that's what we think is going on in the middle of our spiritual battles that are going around us, unfortunately, we are underestimating, we are minimalizing the battle that you are in every single day. We cannot minimalize this battle. Some of you have already looked at a couple of these scriptures this week as you've been preparing, you walking through move. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. When we begin talking about moving from lies to the truth, we need to own up and realize that the moment you begin to step out of the lie that God doesn't like you and step in the truth that God loves you and he likes you, the enemy is not going to be content to leave you alone. He's not going to just sit sit back and go, okay, you're in a battle now. These verses, I realize, Ephesians 6, 12 and 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, they make some of us uncomfortable. Why? Because it speaks about a battle that's taking place that we cannot visually see, that we cannot encompass and put our arms around, meaning this. We have taken all of our battles and we've scaled them down and we've gone, well, my fight is with my spouse. My battle is with my neighbor. My difficulty is with my politician. My struggle is with my family and extended family. My daily struggle is my car. It's my finances. When in reality, we've got to raise the stakes here and we've got to realize that we're minimalizing the battle. Those things may be some symptoms of some problems that are taking place, but there is a larger battle. The reality from the words of Jesus and the writers in the New Testament is there is an unseen battle taking place every day. Let me just say this. You don't have to agree with that or like that for it to be true. Scripture says it is true, therefore I believe that it is true. And you can say, man, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Let it. It makes me a little uneasy. Okay, 
Now we're warming up. Because it is taking place all around you. Don't minimalize the battle. We cannot minimalize the battle. We cannot underestimate the enemy. About every nine months, we hit some of these same passages. And there's a reason for it. Because I believe we minimalize and we underestimate the enemy. We kind of put him off to the side or put him up on our shoulder and say that's the whole battle. But listen to these scriptures that back up this truth, not from me, but from God's word, that we underestimate the enemy. The enemy has a desire for destruction. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In this passage, Jesus is defining the enemy to those that are listening. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to those that are listening. He describes himself, and he says, I'm a shepherd. I'm here to protect my flock. But he also describes an imposter, a hired hand, that will leave his sheep unattended. The words by Jesus here, The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Do not take your pastor to unload or download for you, do they? That's not a complicated biblical statement. Sometimes you say, well, pastor, can you unpack this for me? Yes, I can. There is an enemy. There is a battle. And his desire is to steal from you, to kill relationships, to kill your thoughts of your future, to destroy who you are. That's about the best translation I can give you. Is to leave you broken and in shambles physically and emotionally. Scripture says this about the enemy. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We were at the zoo a few months ago, and uh, we had a Sunday afternoon. It was kind of a rarity. Uh, my daughter and my wife and I, we bolted off for the zoo, and, and the male lion at the Ashborough Zoo decided that he was going to put on a show for us, and he went to Pride Rock. That's really not the name of it, but I watched The Lion King, okay? And uh, so he goes up to Pride Rock, and he gets up on the edge, <clears throat> and he kind of clears his throat. I'm not kidding you. <clears throat> oh. I mean, he just let out this roar. And it was deafening. And then something really anticlimactic happened. He started coughing. <laughs> and it was just as loud as the roar. It's like, Ugh. I was like, wow, what a hairball, right? And it really just kind of lowered the whole thing, you know. But So I just take the first half. I mean, it was intimidating. I am sure all over the zoo, they, they, they heard this giant roar. But you know what? As anticlimactic as that moment was and as non-scary as the second part of the story is, I did not jump the glass and go in and go pet him. Why? Because you know, this is amazing to me. 2,000 years ago, Peter included an example about a lion, and we still understand it today, don't we? Lions haven't changed. Lions are not a pet. They are not tamed. A lion doesn't chase down their prey on the plains of Africa, grab them, and give them a good licking prior to killing them. What does the lion do? It goes straight for the kill. 
We can understand this language, can't we? And we can understand it, but do we accept it? Do we want to believe that that's what the enemy is out to do for us, in us, and through our relationship? He's out there to devour us. He's searching for someone without a plan, without accountability, without relationships, without God's word in their heart, and he is looking and he is ready to absolutely sink his teeth into you. And again, you don't have to like that for it to be true. But I could point to countless relationships. His tactics are deception, his emotions of the flesh, convincing believers there's no need to prepare for a battle. You see, in that he's already won. You don't need to prepare for a battle. I'll continue to beat this drum. The enemy does not desire to simply cause a little tiff in your marriage. He desires to kill your marriage and the heritage of grace and truth for future generations. Grasp that. It's not just about your moment. The enemy does not want to leave you alone, but wants to keep replaying the past. He wants to bring up all the lies about your past. He wants to lie to you about the future. You have a failed marriage? Bring it back up. You have a failed relationship? Bring it back up. You have an addiction? Let's bring it back up. I describe it as this. There are times in our lives where Satan loves to take all of our past and he takes some scripture and throws it into a blender and he presses blend and he goes, now go figure it out. Go figure it out. Go pull it all back apart. Why? Because he loves to lie and deceive. That's who he is. So when we intentionally walk into this series, I'm going to move away from the lie that... We're calling the enemy out here. We're not dancing around. We're not kind of pretending to name something. I'm going to commit to move away from a lie because that is of the enemy. The enemy loves to lie. He loves to deceive. You are of your father, the devil, Jesus says to the Pharisees, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. It's never good to call somebody a liar, is it? If anybody ever called you a liar, anybody? Was it a warm, fuzzy moment? No. It is an offensive comment. It is one by which to gain attention. And for us as the reader, the listener, to hear this and go, whoa, he's a liar. It grabs our attention. It grabbed the attentions of the Pharisees. And if the Pharisees were not on the opposite side of Jesus and his movement at this point, they are now. Because Jesus looked at the religious leaders of the day and he says, you are of the character of your father. You're a liar. He's a deceiver. The enemy is real. If you examine your spiritual direction and your desire to move, do not underestimate the enemy and minimize the battle Destruction is the goal. Lies are the tactic. Deception is prevalent. The enemy also blinds the minds of unbelievers. This is so important. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, In their case, the God, little g, God, of this world, <clears throat> has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God? Very clearly, he states, the enemy wants to do what? Blind the mind of those who do not believe. 
And this may be true for some of you today. I know this is not true of somebody who in our third service last Sunday as a grown mother came forward and said, I want to commit my life to Jesus. She stepped out of the blindness into the light. In our third service today, we're going to see several baptisms of folks that have said, I've stepped out of the darkness into the light. I'm blinded no more. I've seen the truth. But this may be true for some of you even today. You've gone through a season. Something happens, and it starts to draw you to the Lord. A tragedy happens. Uh, somebody invites you to church at the beginning of the year, and you're still hanging on, right? It's March. That's the truth, man. That's awesome. And you're, you're still here. Curiosity gets piqued. You start a, a Bible reading plan. You, you jump into a group. Then life comes, right? You forget the moment, you forget the verse, you forget the conversations, and the next thing you know, you're stepping back going, where was I? What was happening? I'll tell you what was happening. You were beginning to move away from the line towards the truth, and the enemy stepped in and said, man, let's pull that out. We got to stop that before it gets somewhere. We got to dig that out before it digs down deep. We've got to make sure that that does not take root and begin to, be, begin to be a fruit. Jesus warns of this in Mark chapter 4. He tells a parable of different soils. And one of those, he says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear. Satan comes and immediately and takes the, takes the word that is sown in them. Let me get it out of there. I don't want it to sink in. The enemy loves to snatch away the word. In order for us to commit to moving away from the lie or lies, we have to size up the battle. And I'm fearful that we minimalize the battle, that we underestimate the enemy and his desire to entice, to steal. Scripture even says to trap us. So today, I, I want to continue our time of teaching in a little bit of a unique way. We don't, we don't get to do this very often or take the opportunity enough to do this, but I want to ask a gentleman to join me on stage this morning, Mr. Aaron Small. Can you come on up here, sir? Uh, Aaron is not small, all right, just to let you know that, okay? How are you, sir? Yeah, man. Um, Aaron is a friend of Rich Forks. Um, about four or five years ago, we started going to Long Island, New York, to help a church there called Crossroads Church, um, do a baseball camp and uh, along the way uh, we met the guy that was helping lead those baseball camps uh, his name's Aaron Small um, Aaron has done 18 years in the majors 18 professionally 18 professionally minor and majors there you go all right so today we need to practice something okay this is me I grew up as a Dodgers fan don't ask me how it's a long story we need but, to pray for him right now okay <laughs> So today, we're all Yankees fans, okay? All right, we're, we're a Yankees fan. He finished up with the Yankees. And uh, so last night, we, we had the opportunity to hear Aaron speak to some of our high school baseball teams and share his story uh, and just share his testimony. And man, it was awesome. It was awesome to, to listen. I've, I've heard about you um, and been able to sit last night and to listen uh, and to, to see what God has continued to do. So there's some great history. But tell us a little bit about getting to that point I mean, I know we're covering like an hour worth of testimony to get to the Yankees, but tell us just a little blip about your professional career and what brought you there. As a young boy growing up in Southern California, uh, 
I said, I love baseball. I said, that's what I want to do. I had passion for baseball. And as a four-year-old kid, I said, I want to play Major League Baseball. That was my, my goal. That was my passion. So I played all the way through and got drafted in uh, my senior year out of high school and by the Toronto Blue Jays. I started at the lowest level of the minor leagues. We had a Blue Jay fan last night. Yeah, we did. I met him last night. Yeah, absolutely. So he was wearing his jersey and his hat, too, so that was cool. Uh, So 17 years old, I leave home, and I head up to uh, Alberta, Canada, in the middle of nowhere to start my professional career in the lowest level of the minor leagues for the Blue Jays organization. Fast forward all the way through that, 16, 17 years later, I find myself without a job, and the Yankees call. Uh, I had pitched for the uh, Oakland A's, the Marlins, the Braves. The I, I forget there's so many teams, but it um, the, the Yankees called in 2005 that off season in January, and they offered me to come to spring training as a minor league free agent to their major league camp, and uh, to see how we could do and possibly be a guy that could help them in that season. So uh, there was 2005. I'm in Yankees camp after going through four teams that had uh, released me or fired me as I say and then I speak the southern language now fard I got fired four times uh, but uh, there were there were teams along the way that said you're not good enough uh, and, and the devil would work in that you know like you're just talking about today and, and the lies that I began to believe that I'm not good enough to stay in this game but God continually showed up and said I've got a plan for you and another team and I'm going to keep you in the game to be a witness for me so 2005 January I go to spring training with the Yankees so that really is a, at least an hour conversation um, that he just covered. Uh, maybe more. <laughs> it's 17 years worth right there, yeah, in about two minutes. So. But I, well, last night I was listening. I loved, as, as he was sharing, that he's sitting at home um, in February, I believe it was, January. January of 05, and he's sitting at home, and a phone call rings. It's his agent and said, we've got a team that wants you to come pitch for us. It happens to be the New York Yankees. Like them or not, all right, love them or not, it, it is – in many athletes view it's the height of baseball right and so he gets the call he uh calls his wife and i love uh you're married did you say she's five foot four five four and a half so five four and a half give her the half all right he's six five just a little bit of a difference there and he says um her name's macy hey we got a call and uh we're gonna pray about this this weekend and she said (laughs) after my agent uh you know, on that Friday afternoon when he called me, he said, Aaron, I know you're a religious man, and I will share this what I share with everybody I share yeah. with. It's not religion. It's a relationship with Jesus, and I told my agent that. So he said, spend the weekend talking it over and praying with your wife and your family. Call me back Monday. So I called my wife at work that Friday afternoon. I said, uh, Barry called. He's got a job for us. And uh, I hesitated before I answered her question when she said, who is it? Uh, because I kind of knew her response, and, and I could even see her look through the phone as I called her, if that's even possible. Oh, and it I, is. Oh, yeah, is. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, so I, I, yeah. I, I said, uh, uh, honey, the, the, the New York Yankees want to bring me to spring training, and one word popped out of her mouth, the same word that I said to my agent just a few minutes before when he told me the Yankees wanted to sign me. Why? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, confidence she, builder for yeah, your wife. She got, she got really yeah. excited. And just kind of the rest of that is, uh, when she asked me if I said that we would take the job, uh, I said, no, honey, we will, uh, we're going to pray about it this weekend. And then she got really excited. Pray about it. We've been praying since last October when the season ends, when you ended, when you left the season with the Marlins and we're going to pray about it. She goes, you call him right back and tell him we'll take that job because this is our answer from the Lord. And, of course, it was, yes, dear, I will do that. Uh, so God showed up, and, uh, I mean, I was debating on retirement. 
Right. I thought this is time, 34 years old, and, you know, I'd played 16, 17 years. It's time to hang it up. And God wasn't done yet in the game. So we took the spring training job with the Yankees. So something phenomenal happened after several almost making it to, to play. Um, God finally brought you to that point of being able to play. Uh, and something amazing happened. Your first 10 pitching, first 10 starts. What took place those first 10 starts? Yeah, I, I got called up in uh, the second half, the first day of the second half. And I uh, met the team in Boston to, to start the season. Met them in Boston. My first game was in Texas against the Rangers. Went on to win 10 straight starts for the Yankees and go 10-0 and in the second half of 2005. Uh, but there's more that you'll hear in a minute yeah. how, that, how, how I got to that and how it ties into the context of what your pastor's preaching today. So we will, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. So as you're trying to get back into um, your profession, and I think that's the case for all of us that go through difficulties and ups and downs of profession, what, what lies would you say you were listening to during those seasons? That's, that's an easy question. Uh, that very season right there, you know, over the course of the 17 years up to that point, there were lies as teams would release me and let me go and tell me that you're not good enough, uh, you need to do something else, you're not effective in what you're doing, you failed. That's, those are huge lies that the devil tells you you're, you're not worthy, you're a failure, and it's easy to believe that. Uh, my thing is, man, keep your eyes on Jesus. But in that very season right there, six days before I pitched against the Texas Rangers with that first victory for the Yankees, I lost it on the field. I absolutely snapped. I shared with the young guys here last night and the kids that were here last night that I lost my mind on the field, and I screamed as loud as I could. I gave up a game-winning hit in early July of that year in the minor leagues in AAA with the Yankees, and I lost it. I lost it. I, I was prideful. I was arrogant. I was selfish. I got away from trusting in Jesus, and I began to listen to the wrong voice, the voice of the enemy who were talking about mm. Satan. And uh, at that very moment, as you heard me share last night, at the very moment that I lost my mind, lost my composure on the field, when I did that, when I lost it, I heard the devil speak to me and say, look at you. You're a failure. You've been trying to lead people on this team to Jesus. You've been leading Bible studies. And the lie that I believe was, I've just lost my witness. I've lost my effectiveness as a witness for Jesus Christ. And I felt about that big. I went home for three days ready to quit. And if you're listening to me and you're thinking it's just baseball, it's so much more than baseball. It was where God had placed me, where God wanted me, and I was ready to throw it away because I was listening to the enemy tell me that I wasn't worthy. And I believed the lie that he was right and I was wrong and God was wrong. And I should go home and just get away from baseball and do something totally different. So I believed the lie that and I listened to the wrong voice at that time instead of listening to the voice of Jesus I listened to the voice of the enemy and he defeated me at that moment and it gets even better here in just a minute so six days later you're in uh, the Texans uh, the Rangers stadium you're laying in the outfield doing pregame warm-up staring into the sky about to pitch your first game for the Yankees Mm -hmm. and uh, you have this you have this truth moment. You, you had the lie moments, and now you have this truth moment. Kind of expound on that, that moment. I'm laying there in, in Texas. This is six days after uh, what I just shared with you about ready to quit. Uh, and the very day that I walk back into the locker room in Columbus, and they tell me that I'm going to pitch for the Yankees after I was ready to quit and walk away. See, I want you to understand this. 
God's ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than ours. You can try to plan things in your life, but God says, get out of the way. I want to do it my way, and you're going to trust me through it. It's like parents. You know, you let your kids sometimes go ahead and try it your way, and you're going to, you're going to see that it doesn't work out, right? You have kids, man, you know. Yeah. And then they come back and say, man, I, I don't understand how to do this. Okay, let me show you how it's going to work. That's how God is with us. So laying in Texas in the outfield grass, ESPN game that night. I'm laying there stretching before starting for the New York Yankees on that Wednesday night. And I start to have a, I have a talk with Jesus. The fans are yelling crazy stuff at me in Texas. It's mostly Yankee fans because we were the home team everywhere we went, even when we played the Dodgers, you know, <laughs> uh, especially the Red Sox, man. Y- y'all, if you're Red Sox fans, I'll be praying hard for you. Jesus loves you too. Just want you to know that. <laughs> but as I laid there in the outfield and I'm starting to start my stretching routine for that game, I began to have a talk with Jesus and I said, Jesus, I don't know why I'm here. I don't understand why you have given me this opportunity after what I had just done six days ago. I was arrogant, prideful, selfish. I didn't trust you. But now you're going to let me pitch for the best team in baseball on a national stage where millions will be watching this game. And I didn't say, Jesus, let me go out and win tonight. I didn't pray for that. And I'll share that with young baseball players like I did last night. I didn't pray for a win. I didn't pray to do good. My prayer was simply this, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for this opportunity. Help me to bring you glory and honor tonight as I throw this baseball as hard as I can. <laughs> you be glorified. Amen. Amen. All right. So <clears throat> you pitch that night. You go in the locker room. You get the win. You go in the locker room. Something takes place that gives you the opportunity to do that. Describe that moment. I go in and I start to undress after the game, after beating the Rangers. Uh, tough team that year. That, that was the hard part. But I get into the locker room. As I, as I hear behind me as I'm undressing and taking off my uniform top, I hear noises behind me, clicking noises, and I feel bright lights on me. And I turn around to, uh, there might be 20, 30 reporters, might have been 40 or 50. I mean, the area was covered with reporters, Fox Sports, uh, CNN Sports. You had uh, ESPN, all these different companies. That happens to me a lot, too. Yeah, that's what I figured. I, I, did under, I understand that, absolutely. <laughs> and they want to interview me. And they ask me this question, they make these statements, Aaron Small, whoever you are, wherever you came from and however you just did what you did on a national stage to beat a good Rangers team for the New York Yankees, how did you feel doing that? And they held their microphones out in the big cameras. I couldn't talk. I wasn't nervous. I heard a voice. It wasn't the same voice I heard six days earlier on the mound when I lost my mind and and snapped, as I call it. I heard a voice from the Holy Spirit speaking into my soul. I heard the voice say this, four words, don't forget about me. That was the Lord speaking. So when I couldn't talk and I finally told the reporters, I said, I'm going to answer all your questions. I'll stick around till midnight if you need me to do it. But I said, I got to share this first. I said, six days ago, I almost quit and walked away from this game. But God talked me out of it. And I want to say with him, all things are possible. They didn't want to hear it. But can I interject this about witnessing and sharing your faith? When God tells you to do something, you better do it. And sometimes we believe the lie. Sometimes the devil, even in your witnessing, will use this. I think you'll agree with me. Just, just be a Christian. Just act like a Christian. You don't need to talk. You're shy. You don't need to open your mouth. That's a lie, too. Tell people. When Jesus says open your mouth and share it, open your mouth and share it. I was a shy kid, believe it or not. So I, I share with those reporters. It was hard but I felt the Lord pressing that on me to do that. So what would you say, <clears throat> um, I don't think there's any other professional baseball players in the room, 
um, may not ever be, all right? But, but what would you say to, to this group to say, hey, I'm going to move away from this lie and move towards the truth? Uh, you, you spoke about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 last night, how important that is for you and your wife and y'all's marriage. Um, how would you translate all that God has taught you through these years that lies the truth? How would you bring that down to, to us? I'll bring it down to you, um, and I'll say it in two words the same way that as the Lord brought me through that, that experience. As I believed that lie of the devil as he was speaking to me and, and let me know that I was unworthy and, and nothing and that I was a failure, the two words I will give to you that you can take and apply this, any, any, any aspect of your life, no matter if it's school, work, wherever you're at in your marriage, two words, total surrender. That's the point I got to when I finally said, Jesus, I surrender. I mean, I know Jesus saved me as an eight-year-old boy. I, I have no doubt in my mind. But at that point when I said, Jesus, I surrender. And the word I like to use is trust. I trust you. Even when things around, circumstances don't look right, they don't look good, they're not going your way, I surrender to you. I trust your sovereign will that you have for my life. And I have to trust that because I know you have a great plan and I know that your way is so much higher than my ways. And I don't understand, but God, you take and you do. It's easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is easy because it's not. The devil will lie to you about that too. You can figure it out on your own. No, you can't. <laughs> God left us his word for a reason. That's our manual to help us in life. So I'm thankful that I, I believe the lies there for a short time of the devil told me, but I'm thankful that I got my eyes back on Jesus and I, that total surrender took place in that. Awesome. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for your ministry with us in New York. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> Man, I was so excited when I got home. I, was, I, I gave your whole testimony to my wife. She heard the whole thing last night. Um, but but I want to go back to where we started this morning. We cannot minimalize the battle. You cannot minimalize this battle. You cannot underestimate the enemy. I mean, the enemy, we could use Aaron's life. We could use your life. We could use my life. We could say, man, I, I know I'm in a battle, but, but you know, it's not that big. It is. Destruction, lying, steal kill, destroy. So how many of us are willing to admit we are in a battle today? Are we willing to say, I recognize I'm in a battle. I realize I am not trusting. I realize I am far from the Lord. I realize this morning, more than any other morning, I realize that the struggles that I'm facing, the problems that I keep falling into, the sins that I keep falling into, I am recognizing this morning that there is something bigger going on. And this morning, I'm going to move away from the lie. And I'm going to move towards the truth. I'm going to move towards trust and hope found in Jesus Christ. How many of us would be willing to admit and say, you know what, this morning I, I'm taking the battle off my shoulders. This little quaint idea of a battle going on, and I'm going to recognize there is a cosmic battle going on for my future, for my relationships, for my walk of Christ. There is something greater going on. And there is an enemy. 
But can I just tell you, the next two Sundays we're going to look at, there is a victory. There is a hope, and it is found in and through Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that victory that is in every one of our lives through the gift of Jesus.